How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there. If you haven't done so already, please go on Instagram and give my new podcast page a like. It's at English Encore Podcast. I've been doing some live sessions past two Saturdays. We'll be having another one coming up this Saturday. Look on there tomorrow for an announcement. I'm still not sure yet if I'm going to be having a guest or a Q&A session. I'm still working through that. I have some candidates and athletes that I do have that are going to be coming on. I'm just working out future dates because, you know, um, a lot of athletes are busy. But um, we do have potentially a few former NHL players coming on. And I've still been reaching out to some other NFL guys and stuff. So we'll see what we got going on. But let's get into it for today. So today... I'm going to be talking about something that pretty much every Buffalo sports fan wants to know. You know, Buffalo is pretty much known as a city with great fans, a deep history in sports, um, you know, passionate fan base throughout, always have great ratings for TV, no matter really what sport is, specifically in football and hockey. And the biggest question all fans want to know is when are the Bills going to win a Super Bowl and when are the Sabres going to win a Stanley Cup? So today I'm going to be going through and giving you my analysis and prediction of what year the Bills and Sabres will win championships and end the long drought that many fans have been waiting for. And I'm hoping that these are right because if they are, that'd be really cool and I could really use this to my advantage. But, um, you know, it's very hard to predict when either of these teams will win just because things are changing every single year, whether it's salary cap players coaches general managers um, we don't really know what's going on with this year's season because of you know the coronavirus so it's kind of hard to determine but I'm going to do my best so starting off with the bills let's just look at their core right now they have a lot of really talented young players quarterback Josh Allen Tremaine Edmonds Tredavious White Ed Oliver Stephon Diggs who they just acquired Devin Singletary, Matt Milano, Cody Ford, Deion Dawkins, Dawson Knox, Zach Moss, and A.J. Espensa, to me, are their big list of core players. Then you look at the guys who are older players that might not be around for too much longer. Guys like Cole Beasley, John Brown, Mario Addison, Quinn Spain, Mitch Morris, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Those are guys that might be around for another two to four years not really sure and then guys who are more than likely going to be gone within the next few years would be Jerry Hughes, Star Latulale, Stephen Hauschka, probably AJ Klein, Tyler Croft, maybe John Feliciano, Trent Murphy, guys like that. Um, Just looking at the Bills roster as a whole I think it's one of the more talented in the NFL. I would say it's top 10 as far as a talent level on the roster from offense, defense, and special teams perspective. Offensively, I think they're in the middle of the pack. Um, I think they were probably between the 20 to 25 range last year. However, now adding Stephon Diggs to the mix, second year of Dawson Knox, adding a guy like Zach Moss, Devin Singletary will be the feature back, no more Frank Gore. Um, I think that they'll probably be in the 12 to 16 range this year Bill's defense only got stronger in my opinion you did lose a good leader in Lorenzo Alexander 
However, you did a nice job replacing him with AJ Klein. You bring in Mario Addison and AJ Espensa in the draft to go along with Trent Murphy and Jerry Hughes. You do lose Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, but you bring in Butler, Jefferson. You have Harrison Phillips coming back off of injury. Ed Oliver going into year two. The defense should easily be in the top five, if not the top three. And then special teams-wise, they went out and got the leading tackler from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, special teams unit who's led the league in special teams units by, I believe, the last three years in tackles. Then you bring in a few more guys. Competition, you bring in Tyler Bass from the draft. One of the most consistent kickers in college football over the past three or four years. Then you have Vedvik, who was on the Jets and Vikings for parts of the year last year. And he can do both punting and kicking. So it'll be really interesting, but it's very clear that they want to sure up their special teams unit. Um, AJ Klein's also another guy who's played some special teams. And I think that the Bills should be in that 8-12 range for special teams. Hauschka had a few bad games last year, but for, throughout the most part, um, he was very consistent. And then last year, the Bills went 10-6, and six, made their first went to their second playoff in the past three years unfortunately let things get away from them against the Texans in the first round of the playoffs but I think over the next three or four years we're really going to be contending I still think we're a year or two away from really being Super Bowl contenders you know the offense you still have to work in digs and a few other pieces not to mention who knows what's going to be going on with training camp OTAs and whatnot. I know they're doing like Zoom OTAs right now, so it might be a little bit tougher this year. But from here on out, the Bills' expectation should be you are winning the division every single year. You are a more talented team now than the Patriots, no Tom Brady. You are a more talented team than the Jets, who have a bad head coach. And despite Miami making a lot of good moves, you still are more talented than them, and this is your division to lose, in my opinion. And you should be making the playoffs every single year for the next 5 to 10 years, especially with McDermott and Bean at the helm. Especially now that next year they're supposedly adding this extra playoff team. Actually, it might be this year, excuse me. Next year they're doing the 17-game schedule, but um, adding another team to the playoffs only increases your chance of making it in even if you don't have a great record, you might have a year that you fall off a little bit. There's no reason you shouldn't be making the playoffs. So the way I looked at it is this year, the Bills goal should be second round or farther. There's no reason you shouldn't be hosting a playoff game. There's no reason you shouldn't be getting out of the first round of the playoffs. You're better than a lot of teams in the AFC. The only teams you're probably worse than are the Ravens and the Chiefs. Other than that, I think the Bills can make an argument that they're the third best team in the AFC. Now, next year, 2021, I want AFC title game. I want to be that one step away from the Super Bowl. I want to be playing against the Kansas City's Baltimore's of the world. And I want to be going toe-to-toe with them and going down to the wire with a chance to the Super Bowl. Maybe even getting to the Super Bowl. But the year I'm looking at for the Bills is the 2022-2023 season where I think they legitimately can make it and win the Super Bowl. And now the reason I say that is because 
Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean have consistently improved since they've gotten here each year. You have a good young core, good nucleus. You're not replacing a ton of guys every single year. So far in the three drafts you've done, you've missed on maybe two picks. You have a good job of developmenting guys, getting correct guys on the practice squad who eventually can come up and help you, and finding talent. The big question is, how are you going to re-sign a lot of these guys? Because Diggs might want more money. He is under contract, so I think we'll be okay. He might have to give him a little bit more money, but we have a lot of money to do. Excuse me, deal with. You have Edmonds and Allen. You pick up to both their fifth-year options, so they're still under contract for another two years. Tredavious White. Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano are your next big three you got to take care of next year. You picked up Tredavious White's fifth-year option, so technically he is under contract for both this year and next year. However, Milano and Deion Dawkins, they are going to be free agents. I believe you have to try to get back both of them. The only good thing for the Bills, as I mentioned before, I have them going and winning the Super Bowl in 2022-23, by that time, guys like Jerry Hughes, Star Latoule, Tyler Croft, Trent Murphy, all those guys' contracts are going to be gone, and they're some of the more hefty ones that you have to deal with. They just re-signed Jordan Poyer in the offseason. They have some young guys that, because they haven't had a lot of playing time yet, when their contract's up, guys like Saran Neal, Jaquan Johnson, Va- uh, Von Joseph, um, if they don't get a ton of playing time, but you value them, you can try to bring them back for like a smaller deal and get great production. Finding guys like the Dawson Knoxes of the world, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary are great hits because you don't have to pay them a ton of money. And I just think McDermott's a great coach, and I think he's going to only continue to learn as the playoff games go on. Well, going back to his first one with Jacksonville, against Jacksonville, you know, going into the year, many people didn't expect us even be contending for a playoff spot because they kind of knew Tyrod was the bridge and that they were going to draft a quarterback the following year and whatnot and then just start fresh. And then we saw their fall off the year after. And then, you know, this year we went 10 and 6. Really should have probably been 11 and 5 or 12 and 4. The Jets game, the last week we played our bench guys because we didn't want anyone to get hurt for the playoff game and we definitely could have won one of the Patriots games and we're in most of our other losses that year besides the Eagles game so 2022-23 is really the year I think the Bills have a legitimate chance at winning the Super Bowl especially if they can keep this core intact I think that's one thing that people don't value enough in any sport if you can keep a core together for a good chunk of time, um, you're likely to see good results. Look at, I mean, I know the Bills didn't win the Super Bowls, but you look at the amount of players they kept intact for those four consecutive Super Bowls and why they were so unstoppable getting there because they kept bringing back the same core group of guys. If I had to pick five or six guys, I'll go with five for the core of the Bills. It's definitely Josh Allen. Tremaine Edmonds, Trey White, Ed Oliver, and Stephon Diggs. That's your four or five group of guys. And then you have, you know, Singletary on the outside as well. 
um, looking in as that kind of six guy, six man um, to build around. So 2022-23, hopefully the Bills are going to prove me right and win the Super Bowl that year. Um, now let's talk about the Savers. This one is very hard to do. Um, I kind of did it in an optimistic way. The year for this is probably going to be completely wrong, and I'm way too early because I honestly don't know. However, we're just going to think positive and talk about it. So looking at the core group for the Buffalo Sabres, you have Jack Eichel, Jeff Skinner, Rasmus Dahlin, Henry Okiaru, Victor Olofsson, Dylan Cousins, Sam Reinhart, and Uka Pekalukinen. Guys like Casey Middlestat, Tage Thompson, personally, I just don't see them in the long-term plans. Um, guys who are under a little more contract length or are young that we might resign, uh, Kyle Laposo, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Brandon Montour, guys I don't think are really in their long-term plans. However, the key factor, honestly, for the Sabres is their GM and the coaching consistency. We can't keep changing GMs and coaches every year and expect different results. Um, you can't keep bringing back the same old players each and every year. So there is probably going to come a time, and it might actually be this offseason, you have to decide between Jeff Skinner and Sam Reinhart solely because you have the Kyle Oposos on the roster who are signed for a few more years because of Tim Murray at about $6 million. And, you know, a guy like Sam Reinhart, who's been producing at a consistent level for three years now, having a career year this year, really does a good job when he plays with Jack. We saw what happened with Jeff Skinner when he wasn't playing with Eichel, he wasn't producing. And I think the biggest question is, if you sign Sam Reinhart, we haven't seen him, you haven't put him on a line by himself, so you don't really know if he can drive a line and I think that's a mistake by the coaches and GMs of not trying it and seeing it because I'm worried that you're going to pay these guys and then you're having Reinhardt or Skinner by themselves on a different line and maybe it won't work out and you're going to be paying someone way too much money to not score goals like they did Skinner this year. However, like I said, I don't think this year was Jeff Skinner's fault at all. Dealt with injury and playing with terrible players most of the year. However, the solution to that is signing Reinhardt and Olofsson. You keep Olofsson with Jack and find another piece to put with Jack because pretty much whoever you put with him, he'll be able to make better. Then you have Jeff Skinner and Sam Reinhardt on a second line together, and they've already had some good chemistry, and a guy like Dylan Cousins potentially fills that role or a free agent. Free agency is another big key because in a few years from now, when Oposo some other guys' contracts finally come off the book and you have some cap to go along with these young guys like Darlene, Cousins, Okiaru, and Olofsson. You have a good chance at finally putting a good team around Jack before he's going to want out because you have never done anything to give him a chance at making the playoffs. Goaltending has been suspect. I do like Linus Allmark. I don't think he's your future goaltender. The development of Uka Pekalukinen is essential to the Sabres' long-term future success. And then signing guys like Rasmus Dahlin and Dylan Cousins in the future when Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner are already taking up $19 million a year in your cap. 
when you add Sam Reiner Olofsson in that, it's probably going to be around 30 just to four or five players. However, you know you need to pay Dalene and Okiaru. I would definitely not let Reinhardt Olofsson walk. And I've mentioned it before, if you let Sam Reinhardt walk, you're only going to make Jack Eichel more angry. And I know you shouldn't just be signing Reinhardt to please Eichel. However, if you can't find a replacement as good or better than Sam Reinhardt, then you have issues. To me, the way you got to look about it is finding a new GM that's going to get the job done because it doesn't seem like Botterill is going to be able to do it. Um, he hasn't shown it yet. He's made a few decent moves like getting Okiaru and Cahoon. And then you have the whole Ryan O'Reilly debacle and Marco Scandella, guys like that. Um, I like Kruger. I'm still skeptical of why he didn't move Skinner with Eichel sooner. Um, I think it's something he has to learn from. It seems like a lot of the guys like him and that he's a good communicator on the bench. I would still like him to show a little more energy on the bench, but that's just me personally. So looking at the future outlook of the Sabres, I have them winning the Stanley Cup in the 2025-26 season. So still years away. I think the Sabres' sole purpose now for the next year or two is to make the playoffs both years show you can have some consistency then if you need to miss the playoffs for a year to add some more guys in to go with Eichel Skinner Reinhardt those guys because you know you don't have a lot of cast base a little more understandable however there's zero reason that by then if you have Ukapeka Lukin in your two-star defenseman in Okiaru and Dalene. And then if you have two solid lines between Cousins and Eichel with Reinhardt, Olsen, Skinner, and maybe a few other free agents we don't really know, maybe some guys from Rochester that we don't really know about step up, who knows, maybe Tage Thompson, Casey Middlestat turns into the player that they were drafted to be or traded for that we thought they would be. Um, it's really hard. I think the Bills are definitely in a way better shape, and I don't think my prediction of 22-23 season for them is that outlandish for the Sabres 25-26 um, it might be a bit outlandish then again I think hockey is one of the most unique sports and that I feel like every single year the teams in both the division and the conference I feel like it's usually pretty mixed up I think there's always a consistent three to four teams that are going to make it every single year but I feel like the division is always up for grabs besides maybe Boston and Tampa lately. However, I still think that the NHL is unique because I feel like almost every year there's three or four new playoff teams where compared to other sports, I think it's pretty um, vanilla in that it's a lot of the same teams year after year and then it's the wild cards or the 7-8 seeds in basketball that are interchangeable or a team that's a four or five seed drops down to a seven, eight and you have a surprise team at the four. Um, it also has to do with half the teams making it in most sports, but that's just my opinion. So yeah, that's going to do it for today. Like I said, bills, 22, 23 season Sabres, 25, 26 for championships. Heard it here first. Like I said, keep an eye on tomorrow on my Instagram page at English encore podcast. I'll be making an announcement about Saturday, what we'll be doing, whether it's a Q&A, um, debating some fans, or just talking about some sports topics in general, or if I'm going to be having a guest still working on that for this week. But you'll know for sure tomorrow. 
And I appreciate everyone who tuned in um, this past Saturday when I was on with David Anderson. Like I said, he had about 50 viewers for 35, 40-minute sessions, so I was pretty pleased with that. We had to call most and Justin Cooper on for the first one. That one had over 80 viewers, so I was pretty ecstatic about that. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Like I said before, I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy, and I appreciate everyone who's been tuning in for both my podcast and Instagram live sessions, and I hope you guys keep listening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.